Hi folks, and welcome to the 27th edition of Weber's Whipping Post, coming from my office in Bourbon, Illinois. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen to my podcast. This episode is entitled, Try That in a Small Town. Today I'm going to talk about Alaska, the Biden crime syndicate, Anthony Fauci, Bud Light, UFOs, Yellow Freight, and some other material before winding up with my latest opinion piece. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chiro at Court Street Ford, now in their 40th year serving Kankakee County. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon A and check out that amazing GT in the showroom. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups, which is what I drive. Court Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. I'm a week late getting this out because I just got back from an Alaskan vacation where we paid a lot of money to see some magnificent sights all in the rain. I'm aware much of Alaska is considered a rainforest, but on this trip, we pretty much got rained on every day. The highlight of the trip, though, was the beautiful Mendenhall Glacier waterfall in Juneau, Alaska. Imagine a giant, wide, frozen river pushing its way down gradually, slower than a snail, into a clear blue bay of icy water. Mendenhall stretches back about 18 miles. This glacier is receding due to what they claim is global warming. Yet the gigantic Hubbard Glacier at the Yucatan Bay is 76 miles long, 7 miles wide at its mouth, and 385 feet high, and it's still growing. The bluish color of the glaciers comes from the compression of the ice as layer after layer of ice and snow mounts. It's truly a wonder to see, especially when these type glaciers calve, where ice falls off in giant pieces from being pushed from behind. Well, enough on that. Details about my vacation are just as boring to you as details about your vacation are to me. You have to be there, right? Well, this past week, the Biden crime syndicate had everything set to get Sun Hunter a sweetheart plea bargain for his past crimes. The prosecution was ready, and the defense, that would be the Justice Department, was ready to walk hand-in-hand with one another into court as a formality. Attorney in General Merrick Garland had to fix all set for boss Joe Biden. Faced with tax evasion of more than $10 million in income and a gun offense, the Justice Department conspired to a plea deal which would allow Hunter to not only avoid prison, but give an immunity from future prosecution. Yes, you heard that right, immunity from future prosecution, which was buried down in the agreement. With that deal in his pocket, why would Hunter ever again pay his taxes or worry about leaving little bags of coke around the White House again? And the way it was structured, everyone could pretend the deal was righteous and moral. The Justice Department and Joe Biden could pound their chest and say they had done their duty. You or I, however, could only dream about such a deal. So everyone showed up to court on July 27th, smiling and backslapping for the media to get this nasty little mess behind both Hunter and his old man. 
But wait, someone forgot to let the judge in on the sham. That's when we learn there is a federal judge, Mary Ellen Noriika, with a backbone and a moral code. We're supposed to just rubber stamp their agreement and never can go have lunch at a very expensive restaurant, courtesy of us taxpayers. But then that darn old judge started asking bothersome questions, particularly wanting to know just what the two sides had agreed to. Seems to have been a reasonable question that a sitting judge should ask, but to answer would require the Justice Department to publicly admit their sweetheart deal, embarrassing everyone. Just like that, Hunter's neat little deal went south on him. Hunter will still have to confront his legal issues, so now we wait to see if his old man, who loves his boy very much, they keep telling us, will pardon him. Yes, I know Biden has said he wouldn't pardon his son. Wanna bet? None of you called me last week about that Bear Packer bet I offered, so I'm going to give you another opportunity to take my money. You can smell the pardon coming every bit as much as the pardon Trump will be giving himself if elected. The Biden crime syndicate is just waiting to see if and when Hunter actually gets convicted of a crime, which is being slow-rolled because Garland is busy searching into rocks to see if Trump left a Snickers wrapper. Keep in mind, folks, a plea agreement like this could only be approved by Garland himself. He should be impeached tomorrow, and the Delaware U.S. Attorney, David Weiss, who sat on the Hunter laptop for five damn years, should be fired from the office. In fact, I'd like to go on record as demanding it. Speaking of the Department of Justice, or injustice, under the conniving spineless Merrick Garland, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul has announced an official criminal referral to the DOJ regarding little Lord Anthony Fauci. Email from 2020 indicates there was, in fact, gain-of-function research going on with China's little bug. This information contradicted what the little bastard stated in testimony to Paul before a congressional meeting. Lying to Congress is supposed to be a federal crime, unless you happen to be a congressman, of course. There is also evidence the National Institute of Health, the NIH, may have funded the damn virus, which Fauci also denies. That would mean us taxpayers paid for it to kill us. Fauci heatedly told Paul he didn't know what he was talking about when discussing gain of function. It should be pointed out that Paul himself is a physician, so I would bet he does know what the hell he was talking about. I would imagine that criminal referral will get as much traction as Hunter's laptop, meaning we won't hear about it again until Trump is in office. Fauci, who very well may go down in history as one of the most prolific murderers the world has ever known, is paid over $400,000 by us taxpayers for his malfeasance. That leads the league, folks. He gets the most. Had he left that damn bug alone and not messed with it genetically, the world would have never been introduced to that bug. Or had he not played political games with Trump, allowing drugs like ivermectin to be included in treatment, there would damn sure been a lot less death. Around 7 million people lost their lives to COVID worldwide. Compare those numbers to Hitler's 11 million and Stalin's 20 million. Perhaps not one of those men physically killed any one individual, but their actions certainly led to deaths. Hey, I seen someone wearing a blue jacket the other day. On the back, it said FBI in bright yellow letters. Beneath the initials, though, it said, Following Biden's instructions. Sure explains a lot with our FBI these days, doesn't it?
Did you hear bassist Randy Meisner, a founding member of the Eagles rock and roll outfit, died of COPD at age 77? When the band started gaining in popularity in the early 70s, Meisner began having problems with being in the spotlight. He was married and had three kids, so wanted to be home more often as well. This was the primary reason he left the band, and by that time, things had gotten so contentious between him and other band members, they didn't ask him back. If you're familiar with Eagle's songs, it is Meisner's voice heard singing, Take It to the Limit. In 1977, he was supposed to sing it for an encore in a concert, but he refused. After the show, the incident led to a physical altercation between him and other bandmates, so he quit. Meisner claimed he had an ulcer in the flu that night, although the other band members have got a different story. Oddly, Meisner's second wife, Lana Ray, died in 2016 in a freak accident when she picked up a gun case with a gun in it that went off. Meisner was cleared as a suspect when surveillance cameras showed he was in a different room. Speaking of dying, Pee Wee Herman is gone. Paul Rubin has passed away of cancer at 70. There was once a great clip of him standing outside the door of a Waco, Texas bar saying, oh dear. In the next frame, you see a long row of motorcycles lying over, one on top of the other like dominoes. The caption says, just before the Waco riot. Ha! And you thought I was going to mention his arrest at an adult theater. By the time you hear this podcast, Einheiser-Busch should have released its quarterly financial report. Bud Light sales are down nearly 30%, totaling nearly $30 billion in the red. People can buy Bud Light 24-packs for as little as $3.50 in some locations. They have hemorrhage money in lost sales and are spending heavily on new advertising. I've seen cans with Harley-Davidson and the Chicago Cubs printed on them in stark contrast to transvestite Dylan Mulvaney. Elisa Heinerscheid, and I hope I didn't screw that name up, vice president of marketing, and who was only promoted last summer to vice president, has taken the bulk of the blame for the fiasco, but it appears she didn't do anything about it. The act was that of a low-level marketing staffer and not Ms. Heinerscheid. She's married mother to three children, a registered Republican, and a graduate of Harvard and Wharton Business. Hardly the background of someone who would dream up a harebrained idea like the Mulvaney mess. Sadly, their CEO, Brendan Whitworth, just announced hundreds of layoffs despite the fact he's paid $12 million per year. Something just ain't right about that, folks. Initially, it was reported Ms. Heinerscheid was given a leave of absence, code words for fired, along with the man who hired her, Daniel Blake. If that's the case, surprise they didn't fire the guy that hired Blake, too. Might as well go on up the ladder until Whitworth is included, as ultimately he's the captain of the ship that is in rough seas. Taking $12 million unit salary and laying people off is bull. He should have pulled up his big boy pants, cut his own salary dramatically, fired the low-level staffer who was attracted to Mulvaney, then battened down the hatches to weather the storm. I predict bud sales will come back, even if they have to buy their way back into the market. Have you paid any attention to the House Oversight Committee on UFOs? Interesting stuff. Turns out Russian warplanes engaged UFOs at least 45 times by 1993. That is huge news. Why are we just now finding out about this? Two Russian pilots were even killed when shot down by UFOs. 
This is according to classified Russian documents smuggled out of the country by reporter George Knapp. Also appearing at the hearing were Navy pilots Ron Graves and David Flavor, who have had UFOs appear on their radar as well. U.S. intelligence officer David Grush, an Air Force veteran, testified the government absolutely, his word, not mine, has had UFO tech and biologies of non-human origin since the 1930s, as well as the exact locations they are being held. Wouldn't that be something if they've been sending on information all these decades? And as far as we know, aliens, for lack of a better word, could have been coming here thousands of years ago. On the other hand, what if they came here and wanted to meet our leader? Are we going to introduce them to the tag team shits and giggles, otherwise known as Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Remember that good-looking blonde who was tracked down reporters on Honeymoon Hawaii while her two children were missing? Lori Ballow was sentenced Monday to life in prison without the possibility of parole for murdering both her children and conspiring to murder her husband's first wife. But Judge Stephen Boyce wasn't done with her yet. You removed your children from their home in Arizona, alienated them from friends and family, and you brought them here to murder them. You had so many other options. You chose the most evil and destructive path possible. I don't think to this day you have had any remorse for the effort and heartache you caused. It was the kid's paternal grandparents who chased her into hell to bring her to justice. She will now rightfully rot in prison. With Yellow Freight closing its doors, perhaps the management should be drugged into court for a more in-depth look at where all that taxpayer money went. The 99-year-old company, once the dominant carrier in the transportation sector, went out of business last Sunday after laying off 22,000 people. I'm not sure how many of those 22,000 people were truck drivers, but I can tell you every one of them will be able to get a driving job at another company within a week. It might not be a union job, but jobs are readily available for those drivers if they want them. Additionally, the freight that Yellow hauled, about 7% of the entire LTL market, will be picked up nearly seamlessly, albeit probably a little bit more expensive. Carriers will charge a little more, but the freight will still get delivered. My biggest concern, though, is the $700 million loan they got from the Fed in 2020, which resulted in taxpayers holding 30% of the outstanding stock. Yellow had not paid any of it back by the time they closed the doors. They also owed the Teamsters Pension Fund about 50 million bucks. Where the hell did all that money go? I did find out CEO Darren Hawkins was making over $2 million per year, 20 times what a truck driver earned for the same company. There were other executives making major salaries of that company. Perhaps the court system can find out where that money went to see if someone was mishandling taxpayer funds and if so, to ensure that person is brought to justice. Haven't heard any more from my publisher on my novel, Roll Me Away, so nothing to report. Still expecting it out sometime in August. Hey, this episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company. You can depend on George Ryan's insurance company for nearly all your insurance needs and in many different states. Call the folks at Ryan's Insurance at 815-936-0075 for a quote today. That is 815-936-0075. Or you can look them up at their website at www.grinsure.com. And now, 
Try that in a small town. Have you heard about the new contentious song by country singer Jason Nelde? Well, I hadn't until about a week ago when a friend sent it to me, knowing it would trip my trigger. She's like that. If you haven't heard it, run, don't walk, to your nearest internet source, Google YouTube, turn up the sound, and listen to the song. You won't be disappointed. That is, unless you are a liberal snowflake that doesn't like conservatives standing with a backbone to respond forcefully to wokeness. The singing is good and the guitar work excellent, but listen to the message Jason is sending above all. Here's a sampling. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store, you think it's cool, well, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, yeah, you're tough. See how far you make it down the road. Around here we take care of our own. You cross that line, it won't take long. For you to find out, I recommend you don't. Try that in a small town. By now you get the message and why liberals don't like it. And there it is sitting at number one on iTunes with nearly 4 million streams, at number four on YouTube, and 12 million total streams despite baseless accusations of, get this, racism. The woke see racism everywhere. So the rocket scientist over at CMT, Country Music Television, with 217,000 viewers, pulled the song after just three days due to its potentially being an affront for to the woke. That's not exactly what they said, but you get the picture. For the record, CMT ranked 61st in viewership behind perennial powerhouses Bounce TV and Adult Swim TV. Ever heard of them? Me neither. The song's video contains footage from the Black Lives Matter protests, which you might recall we saw every night on our TV for an entire summer. That footage was removed in a remake. It also shows L.D. performing in front of the Tennessee courthouse where lynchings occurred. I would bet most of America, including myself, a staunch conservative with a historical bent, did not know lynchings happened frequently there, nor think of it when watching the video 96 years later. Conservatives tend to live in the present and the future, not the past. The fact Aldine lives in Tennessee and the video producer, Tackle Box Films, is from Nashville, might also indicate why they shot the video there rather than lynchings. Also using a Nashville courthouse background were Runaway June for the song We Were Rich in 2019, a Nashville country Christmas with Tanya Tucker, and Hannah Montana, the movie, with that paradigm of virtuousness, Miley Cyrus. Yet, no one complained about the courthouse until Aldine's song. Go figure. Be that as it may, the left must take a stand, as did CMT, when they pulled the video. I would bet the majority of those 217,000 viewers to CMT were not left-leaners either. Perhaps not a shrewd business decision. As Aldine himself said, the song refers to the feeling of community where we took care of our neighbors, regardless of background or belief. It's called normalcy, folks, not what is seen on our televisions every night. It's where I grew up in small-town Chabance and went to school with small-town people from Clifton, Ashcombe, Larab, Otto, 
and Milk's Grove. No different than the other small towns in Iroquois County, places like Watsika, Gilman, Martin, and Milford, and Buckley. We take care of each other and will not tolerate the anarchy seen on television every damn night. It's what Illinois really looks like in the cornfield south of Interstate 80 or west of Route 47, except Springfield, a distant suburb of Chicago. Aldine might have been talking about small towns in the south, but us folks in real Illinois or the people in many other rural areas of the north were all the same, and please don't cross us with your criminal enterprises. In our small towns, we know what transpires on nightly television just ain't right. Call us hicks or rednecks, but as Aldine chants, just try stomping on old glory and see what it gets you. We know enough to respect our country and neighbor. It's what America is about. This is the American message Aldine was telling us. I urge you to listen to the song, no matter your race. That's all I got for you, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. Thanks a million for listening. Bye now.